you're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We're the business development resource for group practice owners, where we talk candidly about business ownership and leadership. From practice building tips to live coaching to real talk episodes with other group practice owners, we're the resource you've been looking for to help you grow your group practice. I'm your host, group practice owner and entrepreneur, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the Group Practice Exchange for $100 off your first month. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Today I have Michelle Mullaly and Erica Schilling on. For those of you who don't know them, they own, of course, a counseling practice just like all of us, Bridges Therapy and Wellness Center. Did I say that right? (laughs) And they're going to be talking today about partnerships. I know so many of you in our membership and on the website and Facebook ask about partnerships. And obviously that is not a strong suit of mine because it's just me owning my practice. And so I'm really excited to have them on today to just share their top three mistakes they see from group practice owners who are trying to set up a partnership. Although I'm sure there's a hundred of issues that can come up. These are gonna be their top three. So hi, you guys, how are you? Great, good, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, so why don't you get started with just uh, telling people who you are and how you guys formed your partnership or what went behind the, maybe the decision-making of doing that. Cause I feel like it's like a marriage. It's a pretty big deal <laughs> to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm Erica Schilling. This is Michelle Mullally. And we actually met when we were working at a group practice together. Michelle had been there for about seven years and I was there for five years. So we had a really good understanding of, you know, of course, knowing each other and friends, but also really how each other worked what our specialties were, what our, um, you know, strengths, values, methodologies, those kinds of things. We had somewhat of an understanding of those things and really wanted to be able to kind of shape our own destiny. Uh, The practice that we were at had, you know, owners, it was a a more of a medical model, different than than what we had envisioned and, and wanted to do. So, Um, we took time to really, you know, spend together and and think through what this would be like. And we opened uh, Bridges Therapy and Wellness Center um, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started with just the two of us, built out a larger office space, but knew we wanted a group practice. We knew we didn't want to be individual practitioners. We wanted to have that group feel. So we now have two locations and we're up to about 21 people. Um, and really have enjoyed the journey ups and downs and, and um, can speak to a lot about partnership for sure I'm um, along the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to hear what you guys 
feel like are the biggest um, obstacles or problem areas that people face when thinking about it? Um, what's your, not your top one, save the top one for last, whatever you think is the biggest of your three, like, holy moly, this is very problematic. Leave that to the end. What, what's one of the things that you guys see um, when you're working with other people that want to form partnerships as like big red flags? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. So it almost is kind of working backwards a little bit. You likened the partnership to a marriage and we absolutely have had that dialogue many times. Um, and so one of the things you don't normally do in a marriage, but you really should do in a partnership. And I think it's problematic is when people fail to have a really solid operating agreement and a partnership agreement, like what is that going to look like? Who's going to do what? What is the exit strategy? If somebody passes away, God forbid, or if somebody decides this isn't the field for them or wants to move to another country, how do you dissolve or separate or exit in a way that protects the business and protects both partners? Um, as well as clarifying other, so many things, right? So work expectations, are you both committing 100% of your time and effort into the business? What if someone wants to open a second side business? Like, how is that going to affect the energy that goes into the business? And should that affect compensation and the roles that are going to take place? How are you going to compensate? There's just so many details to work out above and beyond running the practice, but how that partnership is going to be organized that really can create some huge difficulties when unexpected things come up if you don't have that spelled out. I was just thinking as you were talking about partnerships that might be between someone who's clinical and someone who's not. And, you know, in the clinical sense, any clinical work we do is where income is received, but the non-clinical work there isn't. And so I'm wondering, you know, how that can also be extra beneficial and um, having something written up in terms of like the value that each person in the partnership brings in. So there is, doesn't become resentment that one is either doing more clinical work and bringing on clients while the other one isn't. That's a huge point because um, at one, you know, we did put into our partnership, if there's a discrepancy in kind of work effort as evidenced by revenues that are, you know, past a certain point, then we need to rediscuss why that is. And if we do want to make mm -hmm. changes, you know, there was a time when Erica was doing far more management than I. And so we wanted to make sure that there was some compensation for that. Um, and other times when um, we talked about like somebody who's maybe I was bringing in more folks because marketing and networking was my part, my role. But, and so that has a value, but is that a value that should get compensated differently than someone who's doing all the books, which obviously you need the numbers too. Right. So yeah, feeling, sorting out the, the relative value kind of of everything we do. Some of it is revenue generating and some of it is not, but absolutely critical to our success. Yeah, yeah I would agree. And I think for a lot of people, they may define it as, well, we're partners. So it's all in a mix. We got advice early on, if you guys open a partnership, You've, you've just got to think about it as um, everything is each other's. And so yeah. it really does depend. And I think it, it, it speaks to what you're talking about is having that communication and setting up that agreement just as an understanding in the beginning of what's unique to those partners that are setting up the practice. I think we can find, and, and we did this in the beginning, you can find a lot of generic operating agreements out there, <laughs> but they don't necessarily speak to your own unique Selves and the partnership that you're forming. Um, and a lot of them do have in terms of like the death of a partner, but they don't have an exit strategy of when you're just ready to leave, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, well, and even in our, in ours, we both um, have spouses and, you know, we don't feel like somebody who is not at all associated with our fields should have half of the business. Right. And so 
that's part of that's spelled out what happens then we even have life insurance on each other to make yeah. sure that we protect the business in the absence of one of us um, due to death and like it's yuck stuff to talk about, right? It's kind of like doing that prenup when you don't want to talk about the dissolution of a marriage when you're so excited about joining it. Yeah. But if you don't have it, um, you know, it just, it doesn't protect the business or either. Right. You know? right. I think it, you know, it definitely can lead to resentment and um, not realizing what expectations um, might come up for you as time goes. But if you set this up from the beginning and maybe have an attorney that's helping you kind of craft this, they're going to bring up questions that you might not even be thinking of, of like, oh yeah, I, I would expect my business partner to be doing X, Y, and Z. I didn't even think about that. And that through writing this out, you hopefully get most of those, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys recommend just using a regular business attorney to help you craft that or for those thinking about that and not using a general template and online? <laughs> I, I would say that's pretty key is to see even from the beginning, if you can find a great business attorney that you feel really comfortable with and be able to establish that relationship going forward. It's, it's such a huge support um, to be able to have from the beginning would, would really have been ideal. I feel like, you know, you've, you've been around just slightly less than I have group practice wise. And back then, there was not that many resources out there to, to know what to do. Like you right. really just didn't know what you didn't know until it like either hit you in the face or something happened where I feel like this is the great thing about, you know, nowadays with all of this stuff at our fingertips is we can learn so much from people who are doing that work, who maybe made those mistakes uh, early on so that those new practice owners aren't making the same ones. Okay, so first one, have a an standard operating agreement, have a, a contract or some kind of a document that outlines the roles that each partner is going to play and what happens if dot, dot, dots. Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Yep. That's the first one. And yeah. And that comes yeah. right so, into, yeah. The second one, I think, you know, for us that, that we think easily about is, well, really all three of them have the theme of difficult communication and having some of those difficult uh, talks and really to be able to figure out in the operating agreement kind of who may do what role or, or um, you know, what part of the business to oversee, that second mistake is not having conversations about what are your leadership styles and what are your strengths and weaknesses. To really spend that time even individually and together talking about what are your strengths and, and owning some of the weaknesses, owning some of our own areas of insecurity so that they don't, you know, kind of bubble up in ways that really affect the, the communication in the partnership. Um, knowing, knowing our strengths and weaknesses, I think does tell us about our leadership style. And in the beginning, you're, you're just so excited to get started. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, so ready to look forward. It's, it's not always so easy to take that time to say, well, how might I, you know, really want this practice run or, or how have I been a leader in the past or, um, or how, you know, how, do, how are we going to make decisions? Like, I think yeah. we just assumed that we had the same vision, we had the same mission, so it, we would always align. But I think that's that's that the is issue though, in the beginning of anything, even a relationship, yeah. you tend to agree more with what your, you know, partner says and what your partner wants to do in any beginning of any type of relationship. Um, tends to be more agreeable. And so I can see with time that um, as, as, and I really, I truly think that most business owners don't focus on their own leadership growth. 
um, because it doesn't have like a tangible value to it. And so when we're starting a business, we're thinking of like, how do we get therapists? How do we get clients to come in? How do we make sure that insurance or clients are paying their portion so that our staff can get paid? It's all the like the things that in a literal sense, keep a business up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not prioritizing that leadership piece of what am I good at that I'm going to bring to the table yeah. in, in our partnership? What are you good at that I'm not good at that you can bring to the table as a in this partnership? Um, I, have a, I have a question, staff management, because obviously I don't have a partnership. So I just, any if anything, if someone doesn't want to do any, something on my leadership team, it, it always comes back to me. Um, who is there one person that deals with staff management like the firing the letting go the performance improvement plans or is that something like that you guys have to argue on who who's going to do this one <laughs> that's how I envision it is I'd be like you you need to be the the one that fires and let's go people uh and I'll do I'll do x and y <laughs> The other dirty laundry. It is yeah. actually something we do together. And okay. I think we then feel that support from one another so that no one person really does have to have that difficult uh, conversation. And we really want in the group practice, we, we, we want that cohesive feel. So I think people see us almost, you know, sometimes as one entity, but they know our different strengths. Um, but usually when we do reviews with people, you know, we'll have those conversations together and hiring and firing kind of are, are the things we feel like are really important that are done as a unit. Yeah. Um, but we do have, you know, certain uh, clinical staff. We have a clinical director, and then we sometimes have some of the clinical staff that we each supervise. So mm-hmm. if someone's, you know, needing additional supervision or performance plan, that may fall into one of us um, more than the other. So what is your suggestion for, like, allocating because what I'm finding with my own leadership team is that um, we all make decisions together, which creates this, it, may, it causes, I shouldn't say creates, it causes this side effect of all decisions take a really long time to be made because everyone has to agree. And when not everyone agrees, like then what type of thing? And so um, obviously at the end of the day, I can, I can still just make a decision, uh, because I'm the only one that owns it, but I really come from this, um, frame of mind where we're, you know, making decisions as a te- leadership team, but how it can either, you can either talk from it, from how it works for you guys, but also, also just because I know there's other partnerships that are different where they maybe really do have allocated, like, mm-hmm. this is what I do. I do the finance piece. You're going to do the staff management piece. I'm going to do the, this piece. And then you know, one person of the partnership really owns the decision-making on their little piece. They obviously maybe come together and say, this is what I'm thinking based off of my, you know, research on this topic. Um, but like, I don't know. So that was just yeah. the longest winded question, but I feel like I am like all caught up in the minutia of that. How to, if you're, if you, how does it work? If you decide to do what you're doing, which is everything kind of gets done mainly together and like, how do you? Actually, if I can, huh? we, we actually don't do everything together. It is okay. a little bit more like what you described. Okay. Um, but we, so we at, at one point worked with a consultant who was very helpful for us because that was a challenge in being able to make those decisions oh. and what happens if we disagree. One of the reasons why I really wanted to work with Michelle was she and I are very different and, and there's a richness in that. We really challenge each other, 
but it also means we really bring different perspectives and ideas and skills to the table. So we don't always agree. And that process, I think, in the end, when we get through it, really comes out with a fantastic outcome. The consultant was really helpful for us to be able to identify what our strengths and weaknesses are and how does that align then with roles that we need to take on and separate from one another. So there's this kind of five column, if you can picture, on one end would be decisions that I make. On the other end are decisions that Michelle makes. And those are our own independent roles. Yep. And then we have decisions that I make with Michelle's input, decisions she makes with my input, and then we have a column of decisions we make together. So as she was saying for hiring and firing, that's a column, you yeah. know, that's in the middle, really something that we want to make sure we do that together. But we definitely have our own um, lanes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that visualization. I hope everyone who's listening, because I'm seeing your hands, which also helps in this, but this, um, <laughs> What kind of, that's like a kind of a, we call it like a, ru a management rubric. And so we actually opened last year Bridges Therapy and sorry, Bridges Consulting to try to share some of what we've learned in this mm -hmm. in terms of how to help partners yeah. to find where they fall in those lanes and yeah. what should be shared decisions, what should be independent decisions. Um, and so it's one of the tools that we use in our consulting. Yeah, it's a, such a great visualization for um, figuring out you know, is this something that I'm supposed to be making a decision on or something we should be making a decision on? I really love, and there, that, the fact that there's like five, one, two, three, four, five different areas, the ones where you each independently are making those decisions, the ones where one is kind of the primary maybe decider, mm -hmm. but they loop yeah. the other person in, and then one where it's really a collaborative decision. Yeah, right. It does help with expediting a little bit because yeah. we would get more stuck before we yeah. had that clarity yeah. of kind of this stalemate of, well, <laughs> now yeah. what? Yeah. And it really helps with being able to take things off your own plate so that you can feel some of that stress relief and know that she's got it. She knows that I've got it and we just don't have to think about everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. What's number three? So number three actually is something that we also put in place about three years ago for yeah. ourselves. And it's been absolutely, I think it's changed our dynamic and our ability to kind of lead from a really cohesive place, yeah. which is what we, you know, it's the thing that we use to facilitate all this kinds of a communication and we call it our bridge meeting. And so once a month, we take an hour and a half, two hours, often away from the office, ideally, no computers, no notepads. It's really the goal is to focus on a relationship because just like a marriage, if all you're doing is talking about when the kids need to get there, what's for dinner, you can disconnect and then don't even realize it until the gap is too wide. And so we want to really be careful not to allow that. And so those meetings are, you know, communication about what's working opportunities to give, you know, kudos to your partner for doing great at something or to kind of say like, what's not working? What, what might we need to tweak either in our communication or some of our processes kind of on that big picture level not on that let's take notes on what we're going to do after today right. level yeah. um and then to be able to kind of talk about some of the hard stuff you know like sometimes we've had different times where one of us had a lot more personal stressors going on that's life right mm -hmm. one of the big pros of having a partner is someone's picking yeah. up the slack you can be gone for two weeks because there's been a loss or on a vacation and right. somebody's got it right yeah. and you know that but it takes communication about sometimes the hard stuff like i'm going through something hard i really need your extra help or gosh you've been missing lately what's going mm -hmm. on you didn't know this but i was going through something and so 
it sometimes they're hard conversations, but sometimes they're really enriching and you walk away with that kind of shared purpose again and, and reconnection again, kind of like, you know, a date night and a marriage type of yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, well, I like this idea because it's, um, I, again, I bet, and I'm assuming this is maybe part of the reason why you're naming this as like the biggest issue that you see or like the most important thing to think about out of these three is that it, it, this is again, one of those like non- revenue generating or growth like a literal growth thing and so people likely are are just busy with their day-to-day stuff and are like we i we just want, is there anything wrong tell me if something's wrong otherwise let's let's go to like all the things that we haven't yet done and yeah. so like really prioritize that and say nope this is our non-computer non-tech we're not writing notes we're just going to talk um I mean, some, it's like culture building, you know, those, yeah. some of those things also that people sometimes don't prioritize as much as outcomes and stuff. Yeah. I do think it's really easy to step over that time. And because you always have a ton of things to do yeah. and get to, and even for us, we have to be careful that those things don't find their way into the conversation. Yeah. And especially if there's something that is more difficult for us to talk about or, you know, where our communication maybe hasn't been great it is easier to go to those other things that are more practical to do, but it becomes even more important so that there's nothing that kind of remains residual that you really get that time. Um, and, and I do think it is the most important because it is that communication piece that runs through everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and It's part of how we keep it from getting to that resentment point you mentioned earlier. If somebody, you know, yeah. you feel like you're not doing this, well, actually I was doing stuff, but you didn't see that I, you know, it was behind yeah. the scenes yeah. or um, we just, it really helps to kind of get back on the same page. Yeah. And I bet that, you know, having it regularly scheduled every month, not only creates that habit, but if you're not regularly scheduling it, it's likely that someone's going to schedule it as a response to a issue. And then it, that doesn't feel fun either. Cause then you're like, Oh, I need to, you know, I'd like to have a sit down and, you know, chat about some stuff. Isn't this fun because right. waiting for the like, oh, problems. So, yeah. <laughs> versus like knowing that this is happening, whether things are go- right. going great or not, it's like this habit of really just connecting on a different level. So I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys coming on and giving a few small tips to those that might be considering it. Um, tell people where they can reach you if they are thinking about starting a partnership or wanting to ask some additional questions. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have Bridges Consulting um, and both Michelle and I are available. Um, we don't have, um, I think we have an email set up and, and a phone line set up. We can use 703-865-4900. Um, and extension one is Michelle, extension two is me. Um, and yeah, we can send you some more information to put in your yeah. show notes too, if that would be Perfect, That's, that works perfectly. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on early in the morning. I don't know what time it is over wherever you are. Uh, 10. 10, yeah. So you're ahead of me then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll be talking soon. Great, well, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join The Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.